morning we get to this verse that says, Blessed are those uh, who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, out of all the Beatitudes, we finally go through a little shift here. The first three Beatitudes are all about this mind shift that needs to change. In our spirit, we need to be more hungry. In our personality and who we are, we need to be more meek. But finally, uh, there's this shift to not just a paradigm shift of our thinking, but it's a shift shift into action. And, And so when... Uh, Jesus says, blessed are those that are merciful. It's a shift from a mindset to us being commanded to do something physically with our actions for one another. And so therefore, be merciful. I want you to practice it. I want that to be an act for people, for those around you, to be merciful, for then you will receive mercy. And so we'll look at, A, we got to look at, well, what is mercy? What does that mean? So if, you, if you're the note taker type, uh, we'll answer that question. What is mercy? Uh, then we'll understand that mercy we have been given. Mercy we have been given. And then we'll say mercy is also something we need to give away. Mercy is something we need to give away. And it's something that we're able to do in and through Jesus. So let's pray and we'll get started. God, thank you so much that you have shown us mercy, and that because you have shown us mercy, we are able to and should show mercy to others, as difficult and as painful and as excruciating that might be for many of us. Help us to come to that place. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago, I went on this ride-along with a police officer uh, in down, well, not only in downtown Seattle, but in Capitol Hill. Uh, so it got interesting, uh, and, and it was really fun. It, and it's something that I've wanted to do for a really long time uh, because uh, some of you guys might know this. Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't say as a five-year-old, Mom, I want to be a pastor when I grow up. Uh, that just wasn't it. It was, Mom, I want to be a police officer. I wanted to be a cop for years and years and years. Uh, and so this really interested me. Uh, and so I went on this ride along with a good friend of mine. And I was so excited be- because I got to ride along uh, in the evening where all the action happened uh, in Capitol Hill, which is, was very fascinating. Uh, and, and out of my enthusiasm, I would ask her questions like, okay, if something goes down, can I, tackle, can I help you and tackle them? No, apprentice. Okay, but if something's going down, can I help handcuff them just one time? No. Uh, can I, I literally, I asked it, can I just drive the SUV just one block? No. You just sit there, don't do anything, don't touch anything, just sit there, and we can just talk. Like, all right, I'll take it. Uh, and so we're going along, going along, and I was hearing some interesting calls, uh, and one of the calls that were coming in was, uh, uh, a, a, man, a man dressed like Pikachu running down Pike Avenue. Uh, and I started cracking up. I was like, that's, did you hear that? And she didn't even flinch. Like, yeah, that's normal. Like, oh, okay. Uh, and we, we were hearing all these random calls. And then there was this one call that I actually never forget. It says, uh, homeless man with his pants down, swinging a little shovel, yelling obscenities. And, and, and I thought, okay, this, this is interesting. And so what she called this a level three or something like that. And she flips on the sirens. And now it's like I feel like I'm in a movie. 
and we're going in the police SUV, we're running red lights. I mean, this is like stuff just got real, right? Uh, and, and I'm so excited. And maybe it's because I saw too many episodes of Cops growing up. But I thought we we're going to tackle this guy. We're going to chase this guy. We're going to have a showdown. Something awesome is going to happen. And so as soon as we pulled up, there were other officers surrounding this man, gently talking to him. It's like, okay, that's all part of the plan, right? Like, what, what's going to happen? And, and I'll, never, I'll never forget this image that I saw. They were gently talking to him. They calmed him down. They took the shovel from his hand, and then they, uh, one of them went up to him, and I'll never, it's a police officer going up to this homeless man and helps pull up his pants. And, and it was like, it was a powerful image to me. And, and then as this police officer pulls up his pants, puts them in a car, and they drive away. And, and then I asked my friend, I said, what, are they taking him to jail? Is he being arrested? Uh, because I, I thought there was plenty of reasons why this person would have and should have been arrested. And, and she, I'll never forget, she said no, uh, that she's actually, or they're actually taking him to uh, a detox center because he was intoxicated. And, and I thought, oh, oh, he's not being arrested? Like, he's not going to be in trouble? He's like, he's like, no, yeah, he could be, and there are probably reasons why he should be. But we decided that we're going to take him and let him relax. Let him sober up and maybe find him help, whatever that looks like. And I thought immediately that that was a, a huge sign of what we're talking about today. That's an illustration of what it looks like to be merciful. There was mercy on that person's life and in, in, in his actions at that time. And yet we've all experienced a similar type of mercy. And so before we go on, let's talk about what this mercy means. What is mercy? And now we have to understand that there's a difference between mercy and there's a difference between that and grace. Grace and mercy are different things, although they're joined at the hips and they work side by side together. And so there's this word grace in Greek is charis. Now, all, many times we use grace and mercy together, even though they're not the same. These are actually different words. So in the Greek, we have charis, uh, and then in the, in the Greek for mercy, we have elios. Two different meanings, uh, but very similar uh, landing places. So grace is often seen as a kind of an elementary, easy way to remember the difference. Grace is often seen as something you receive yet you don't deserve. So you don't deserve it, but you still receive it. Uh, so it all goes out to even a gift. If you've ever got a random gift or flowers or a present or someone does a random favor for you, not as a makeup, not because you did anything bad, just as a surprise, that's grace. Someone extended grace to you. Favor, a gift. Maybe you didn't completely deserve it, but someone gave it to you as a present. Now, on the other side is mercy, which lands at the same place, but has a very different beginning point. Again, for going off this illustration, if grace is something you receive that, that you don't deserve, mercy is something that you don't receive, but you do deserve. You guys see the difference there? Grace is something you receive even though you don't deserve it. Mercy is something you don't receive even though you might deserve it. Even though you might deserve it. 
Maybe you guys have experienced this when you're driving, and, and I have a lead foot when I'm driving, uh, and that's kind of a confession of mine. Uh, and I've been pulled over before for speeding. I've gotten speeding tickets before because I deserve it. But there's a few times where I remember pulling over. I'm like, oh, man, speeding ticket. Uh, the police officer comes up and says, you know what? I'm going to give you a warning this time. That wasn't just grace, although that was gracious, but that was also mercy because I certainly was speeding and I certainly should have received a speeding ticket but I was let go. And maybe you've received something of the sort, or maybe you've been in trouble before from a parent or from a loved one or a spouse or a friend, and yet they offer you forgiveness. That's mercy. Or, or, or maybe you've made some bad mistakes in your life where it should have cost you something, but it didn't. That's mercy. I mean, just last week, or not last week, just yesterday, I, wanted this, I went on this huge hike uh, you know, to Franklin Falls, it was, it was beautiful. There was a waterfall at the end of it, but it was snowing. It was icy. And I went, and it was like a five-mile hike because we had to start from a different starting point uh, because of all the snow and the road closures. And when we finally got to the waterfall, uh, there was a huge stream that came in between us, the crowd, myself, and, and going up to the waterfall. Uh, and when I looked at the stream... No one wanted to go through because you could have been either washed, you know, fall, fallen in or been hurt or whatever it is. But I saw in the middle of the stream there was one rock that if timed correctly, you can run, you can jump, you can land on that rock for a split second because there's only one rock and jump onto the other side to get to the waterfall. Now, everyone else was like, no, you shouldn't do this because you will fall. Uh, it's icy. It's like 10 degrees outside. It's a big jump. It's cold water. No one else is doing it. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't hike five miles for nothing. I, I'm going to give it a shot. And, and so I finally I step back, and I'm, and I'm having second thoughts because in reality, if I do this, there's a high percentage that I would fall. As a matter of fact, I should fall. Yet I ran, I stepped, and I finally made it to the other side. And I thought, oh, God. And I remember thinking, oh, God, thank you so much that I made it. Mercy, because I should have fallen. And a lot of us in our lives, we've not received something that we should have. And we've all experienced mercy. See, where this illustration, though, breaks down is I want us to be careful, though, is that mercy goes deeper than just not receiving a deserved punishment. It goes above and beyond this punitive measure. It's about this ultimate sense of deliverance. It's about deliverance more than, not just, but more than not receiving a deserved punishment. <clears throat> so this word mercy, elios, means it's an action taken to deliver or to alleviate or to help somebody be released from misery. So Elias' mercy is not just about relieving someone the misery of a punishment, but misery of, of anything that they might be suffering of, of any type of misery at all. And we, as deliverers of mercy, are agents of healing, of compassion, of aid, uh, of deliverance for somebody else. <clears throat> That's what mercy is really about. 
So mercy says, oh, so you've done wrong. Well, then mercy says, I will alleviate you from your punishment. So that is true. Mercy says, oh, you hurt me, but I will alleviate you from your guilt by saying, I forgive you. Mercy says, oh, you're hungry? Well, I will alleviate your misery by offering you food, by offering you a, a spot at the table, by bringing you with me to dinner. Mercy says, oh, you're in pain. I will alleviate, again, your misery by offering you hope and encouragement and joy and hugs and smiles. That's mercy. Mercy says, oh, you're sick. I will alleviate your pain by healing and by restoring you. Mercy says, oh, you struggle with addiction and, 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 and uh, anxiety or depression or whatever it is. And mercy says, I want to alleviate you from that misery. And that's God extending that grace and that mercy upon us, which in through that, we can live that out by extending mercy on others. See, in Matthew 5, 7, it says, again, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. See, this was Jesus saying about mercy, uh, that we're called to receive it, which is a big deal, and then to give it away, which is just as big. But this beatitude is not saying, here's what the beatitude is not saying. It's not saying you must do this in order to receive that. You must show mercy if you want to attain mercy from God. Otherwise, you're not going to receive it. That's not what this beatitude is saying. Although, in this English form, it may sound like it. Jesus is reminding them that they've already been given mercy. And in this verb, that they'll continue to receive mercy. And because of that, that should actually change the way they live. So it's not just this transactional. That would be actually antithetical to what the gospel is all about, actually. And so this beatitude is actually a reminder of two things. First is this, that again, that uh, each hearer during this time was, remind, was a reminder that they were also recipients of mercy. In Matthew, just one chapter before, it says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. That's mercy. Removing misery, alleviating misery of pain, of sickness, of illness. <clears throat> so his fame spread throughout all of Syria. They brought him back, and then they brought him all the sick all who were, who were afflicted with various diseases and pains uh, and demoniacs uh, and paralytics, and he cured them, it says. In other words, he alleviated them from their misery. They witnessed this. They were a part of this as community members. And so this was a reminder, this beatitude, blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are you when you acknowledge all of the things that God has provided for you, which in this case was only one chapter before I've alleviated taking people out of their misery of pain and sickness and illness and all, all of, and everything else. And, and the second reminder is this, when we do show mercy, when we do show, when we finally extend the mercy that we've been receiving, and I love this, this is big, it's not just for the person you show mercy to, but it's also something that happens to you. When we extend mercy to others, there's something that happens to us. 
several years ago when I was a youth pastor, I would take students every year uh, to Mexico. It was a mission trip. We would go to uh, a town called Ensenada, and we would build homes. Uh, it was a week-long trip, and then we would come back. Before we would leave, though, we would have months of training, uh, of cultural sensitivity, of the actual physical labor that we're going to do, of how to treat people relationally, uh, how to pray with people, and, and all these things. And, and I will never forget, like every year, uh, the students would come with similar mentalities. Oh man, I can't wait to go down there and change people's lives. I can't wait till we go down there and, and, and save them from their misery by building them a home, by hugging them and playing games with them. I can't wait till we go there, essentially, as Americans going into Mexico saying, we're going to save the day. Now, here's the deal. I do believe that we were bringing something to offer the people that we wanted to serve. But little did they know, in my first time, little did I know that even though we went in there to save the day, something happened to us. As we were giving of ourselves, as we were building and really working tirelessly, sweating, getting hurt even, getting lack of sleep, and our desire to show mercy, God was actually working something in the lives of myself and the students all of a sudden, through their act of mercy, their, their hearts changed, and, and they thought, now, oh, wow, look, look at our friends. They're so happy, and they're so playful, and they get along, and they're so grateful for this little soccer ball that we've brought, and they're kicking around. They're so grateful for their family. They're so respectful. I mean, something, their eyes just open. And then when I take them home, this happens all the time, their parents come back to me the next week, what did you do with my children? Because they want to come home. They want to do the dishes unsolicited. They want to come home and clean. They're suddenly nice to their siblings. They're suddenly, they do their chores. Suddenly they're very nice to be around. That trip, something happened where as they extended mercy, their hearts shifted. And they brought that back. And oftentimes, though we are the ones to show mercy, we are the ones that are even more blessed. God does something. The problem is, conversely, it works the other way, too. When we don't show mercy, something also happens to us. We become ridden with guilt, shame, anger, Bitterness, and I would say worst of all, our lack of mercy, our resistance to show mercy will cause us to even be resentful. To be resentful, which I would say resentment <clears throat> is the serial silent killer of any relationship. And I love what Nelson Mandela says about resentment. Uh, he was in prison for 27 years uh, Innocent man, many would say, I would say. And he says, it's like drinking, resentment is this. Resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it'll kill the other person. Resentment is like me drinking poison. Aha, you're going to be the one that's hurt. But in reality, it's me that was drinking the poison. But I love, after he was freed, in addition to that, he says this. He says, as I walked <clears throat> out the door 
towards the gate that would lead me to my freedom. This is after 27 years of prison. He says, as I walk out to the door towards the gate that would lead me to my freedom, I knew, listen to this, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Mm, how ama- that's amazing. It's understanding mercy we have been, we have been given is crucial. This has got to be our starting place because ultimately it's a question of identity. We are people of mercy. That's who we are. As followers of Jesus Christ, that's what we need to lean in that's what we need to receive. That's what we need to live out. The problem is, the problem is we have a difficult time embracing our identity as people that have been shown mercy, especially by God, I would say for two reasons. One, either you don't think you need it, which are some of us, or second, and I would say this is the most prominent, not only do you, it's not you don't think you need it, it's You don't think you deserve it. You don't think you deserve it. Because of the shame, because of the guilt, because of your action of whatever you've done, we don't believe that we deserve God's mercy. But know that Jesus' life, teachings, death, resurrection, tells us a different story, tells us that whatever you've done, whatever you've gone through, whatever mistakes that you've made, it is no bigger and no powerful than the power of Jesus' death and resurrection of the cross. And to say that we don't deserve, and and I'm one of them, to say that we don't deserve God's mercy is another way of saying Jesus' cross was not powerful enough. And so may we be a people that say, actually, though we've been through what we've been through and made plenty of mistakes, that the cross, Jesus' sacrifice, life, death, and resurrection, covers a multitude of sin. Therefore, we are to live as people of mercy, people that have received mercy from the unconditional loving God. See, the understanding, this is really important, the understanding of who we are becomes the very conduit in how we relate to others. I want to say that again because it's so important. The understanding of who we are, the what we believe about ourselves, is the pathway in which we view and treat the people around us. So when the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, well, this is really awesome and great because you're going to love others as long as you love yourself. The problem is, for many of us that wrestle, deeply wrestle with loving ourselves, the question is, how do we love others? Because if it's true that we should love the others, the way we love ourselves. Well, if I love someone to this extent, I'm going to love my neighbor to this extent. The problem is if I love myself to this extent, I can only offer my neighbor love of this much. But what changes this to this 
is knowing that we are all created in the image of God, loved by God. Not only that, but also forgiven and set free by God, by God's mercy. And it's then, and only then, mercy we can give away. Then we relate to people, not out of this uh, obedience necessarily, just because the Bible tells me so, but it becomes visceral. It becomes visceral. When we feel someone's pain and hurt and misery, we want to be able to alleviate because not only do we know what's going on, but we feel it because we know that we've been people that have been received mercy. And here's this video that that explains it really well in a very informative way. It's by this woman, psychologist, Christian woman named Brene Brown, uh, and she has a lot of things to say about empathy. Uh, And here's what she says about empathy. So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection, Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is... Ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Empathy is very different from sympathy. 
people's pain when we understand our mercy that we've been receiving, that we are people of, then we can extend it to others. Then people's pain becomes our pain. You're able to feel, and like what Brene Brown said, it's scary and it's painful and it forces us to confront our own shortcomings. But it also gives us an opportunity to experience redemption. Not only for the person that you're extending mercy to, but also to ourselves. This is when our past, our dirty past, whatever it is, now is redeemed for the good. Now what was once junk, what was once uh, unclean, what was once shame, and what was once guilt, whatever that is, you fill in the blank, now becomes a tool that becomes life and food and water for others. For example, people always ask me, Prince, uh, when did you get so passionate, so, uh, yeah, when did you become so passionate and and interested in social justice or justice issues around the world and justice issues around our community? And I often tell them, uh, I can name almost exact day, as funny as that sounds, I can almost uh, tell you the exact day that I fell in love and became more passionate about justice issue. And they said, well, when is that? I said, you know what, it was my seventh grade year when I was in junior high, when a classmate called me a racial slur and told me to go back to where I came from, which was Seattle. (laughs) But it's through that, and I said to myself, it's that day, because I know how it feels. And it wasn't my last, and it won't be my last to this day. But I know what kind of pain and the hurt that people are going through, at least a glimpse of it, because of my own. And so then those experiences that we once hated ultimately becomes a gift, not only to yourself, but to others. And I would say empathy is one of the greatest gifts, one of the most powerful gifts, and the biggest gifts, and the most sacrificial gift you can offer anybody. So when we are in tune with the fact that God has shown us mercy, then we're able to show mercy to others. And mercy gives birth to gratitude. And gratitude leads to worship. In Romans chapter 12, as we read, it says, in view of God's mercy, in light of, because we've received mercy, to offer ourselves sacrificially to others and to God, and that is what worship is. That is worship. When we extend mercy to others, we're not just helping somebody, we're actually worshiping God through that. It becomes an act of proper spiritual worship is what Romans chapter 12 says. So when we see the needs of others, be reminded that your needs have been met too. And so take action. Remember the beatitude, this is the first time it's about action. So when when you see people in need or in pain, Offer mercy, alleviation of their pains and their misery, whatever that might be. If you can do something, take that action. If you see discrimination and racism and sexism and homophobia and xenophobia, whatever it is, when you see that around you, we can do something. We can alleviate that because we've been part of it one way or another. When you see people that are hungry and poor and thirsty, well, to a certain degree, we felt that before too. We've been provided things too. We've been given mercy too. So through that, may we be a people that offer that to others as well. 
know that we've also been forgiven. And this is a tough part, and this is tough that I wrestled with, even myself as preparing this, is that this also includes forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to truly forgive? Not just say, oh, I forgive you, let's move on with life. Who do you need to truly forgive? Because that's difficult. You know, I'll just end with a short story. Uh, when I was in California, uh, I was watching the news, and there was a serial killer who was being tried, or he was being sentenced. And part of that sentencing is where every person that he hurt or he killed, the family member can come up to the podium and say something. And it went on for hours because there were so many victims. And so there was mothers and fathers that would come up and say, I hate you. I mean, imagine what you would say. I imagine what I would say. They would say, I hate you. Some of them were trying to climb the climb the wall here and the bailiffs would have to come and, and tackle them and, and stop them. And we're, uh, person after person, I hate you, I hate you, I hope you rot in hell. I hate you, you don't even deserve to live. You know, hours on hours. And, and they would show the criminal, the killer, and he would just kind of smirk. And it didn't affect him at all. It was no big deal. Hours and hours of it. And finally, one of the last people with little old grandmother walked up to the podium. And it was so powerful she says, you know what, you killed my daughter. You took away something that I'll never get back again. And I love you and I forgive you. And I remember the criminal from that smirk turned into tears and he started weeping. For hours he heard how much he was hated, how much bitterness they had, how much uh, anger that was towards him. That didn't that didn't faze him at all. Yet there was this power of forgiveness that broke down the walls and it broke his heart. Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is powerful. And it's not just about the person you forgive, but it's about a sense of relief and release in you. There's freedom in forgiveness that you no longer hold on to the bitterness and the aches and the pain. Be merciful. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to help? Who do you need to alleviate in order for them to be out of their misery? At Elias. Is it the poor? Is it the marginalized? Is it the oppressed? Is it the people that are pushed away, treated unfairly? Well, we have a responsibility to act, to move, and to be merciful. So right now I'm going to invite the worship team back up as we respond. And as we end in a couple songs of worship, I want us to think about that. Let's take an inventory. Well, A, may we understand that we've been people been shown mercy through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and the cross. That is mercy to us. Because of that, we've been reconciled to Jesus. Because of that, we have the gift of salvation that we can spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. That's powerful. And I hope that means something to you. And for those of you where you're not there, that's okay too. But if you're not there, that's, those, are the people, those are the people I love having coffee with and to have lunch 
it'll be on me. I invite you to invite me to lunch, to coffee, because I want to talk to you. I want to tell you about Jesus and how Jesus, not to convert you, not to push an agenda, but how Jesus changed my life, just personally. The mercy that I received changed me. And through that, I'm able to show mercy. I can improve, but I can't. And so right now, let's take a little bit of time, maybe just a self-inventory. Have we understood our identity in Christ as people that have, been, people that have received mercy? If not, maybe take a moment to just ask God, God, I have a hard time receiving that. Just be honest. God, I have a hard time receiving that because of all my actions or deeds or whatever that I've done or not done. But God, you're so much bigger than that. And, and then secondly, I want us to understand this means action. God, who are the people that I need to extend mercy to? Who are the people that are hurting? Who are the people in misery, in pain? Reveal, give, the, give me those names. Give me those people. Help me to be a people that extend mercy as well. We'll just spend a few moments just, just praying that. And then Nick will lead us into our final songs.